welcome back to the Red Beard Outdoors podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. This week we've got an awesome guest that I want to share with you guys. I've been following him for a while on Instagram and I love his content. Amazing guy. His name's Christian. I'll get into that in a minute. But first, I definitely want to say thank you for all of you who are sharing my podcast. Those of you tuning in and those of you that just continuously listen, thank you so much and welcome back. Those of you that may be new here at Redbeard Outdoors, what I focus on are the three main pillars of my life are faith and family, fitness and the outdoors, those three things. So faith and family wrapped into one, fitness and the outdoors. That encompasses my entire life, how I've become healthier in my life, happier and more successful and continue down that journey. I'm nowhere near where I want to be uh, by far, but I have come a long ways, and especially the last two years, and I want to share that with you. And I want you to see that it's possible for an average Joe like me, who is currently finishing a degree, has five kids, is married, and has a full-time job, can also enjoy the outdoors, fitness, and faith. So join me in this journey. Go check me out on Instagram at red.beard.outdoors. I post there every single day, sometimes entertaining, sometimes educational. Either way, it's a good mix and uh, you get to see more of me if that's what you want. If not, cool. I understand. Also down below, um, I've got my email. So if you leave a review, please send a screenshot of it to my email and I'll send you something in the mail. I really do appreciate that. And also down below, I have links to companies that I work with, some amazing companies that provide awesome nutrition for backcountry trips, other companies that provide gear, and all the things down below are companies that I personally have used or do use, and I think you should go definitely check them out. Great quality products, amazing companies, and save a little bit of money. I don't run ads. I don't like it when other podcasts run ads. It kind of is something that I have to skip through. I don't want to do that for you guys. So I just provide quality companies in the links below. You can go look them up. If you have questions, shoot me a message on Instagram, send me an email, and I'll answer those questions there. So without further ado, here is my buddy Christian that I've been following on Instagram for a while. Christian is also known as Archery Strong. So on Instagram is archery.strong. And he has taken it to a whole new level as far as fitness and the outdoors, but even more than that, on his archery game, he has been basically a bow hunter his entire hunting career and his entire hunting life. He is a man who is super hyper-focused on using his knowledge of fitness and the outdoors to help people, whether they be target archers or bow hunters, to recover from injury and to remain recovered and to stay strong in specifically archery obviously other things as well with the shoulder and the back if that's something that's causing you an issue and you're not an archer particularly you can reach out to him as well but he's definitely dialed in with archers specifically he works with some amazing people he's got a, a degree and the experience to back it up so again if you're having any issues with your shoulders or your back and you're an archer Definitely reach out to Christian over at archery.strong on Instagram or go to his website, archerystrong.com, and check out what he's got to offer. So here's my buddy, Christian. All right, everyone, I've got here with us Christian, who is part of Archery Strong and uh, something that he's created. And I love his work because he just talks about uh, between recovery and also uh, just getting back from uh, recovery from injuries or preventing injuries. In the archery world, he shoots a trad bow, which just automatically makes him cool because I don't do that and I don't know anything <laughs> about trad bow. But um, anyway, yeah. So there's Christian. Uh, Christian, tell us a little bit about yourself, man. Yeah, thank you for the introdu introduction. That was nice. I appreciate it. Uh, my name is Christian Williams. I started Archery Strong, which is my business that has a sole focus in keeping people healthy, uh, in meaning archers healthy in regards to their shoulder health, shoulder injuries so that they can enjoy time in the woods, in the outdoors hunting, or they can enjoy time 
shooting uh, tournaments, practicing in the backyard, shooting with friends, whatever it is, but just ultimately making sure that pain and injury of the shoulders doesn't limit people to enjoy archery and everything that it has to offer. So uh, there's a lot of stuff there that I'm sure that we can dive into Jonathan, but um, that's, that's my mission in a nutshell, but I love to hunt. That's my, my main thing, bow hunt and, uh, fitness has always been a big part of my life. I know it has been, uh, for you as well, Jonathan. So looking forward to diving into some good conversation here. Yeah, of course. That's awesome. I, you know, I, I really do love it when people focus on not just the, the shooting of the bow itself. And I mean, that's cool. You get some cool slow-mo videos and I love slow-mo videos and, and all that. But the fact that yeah. you focus on the behind the scenes, what it takes to get your shoulders strong, um, you know, and you even do some of the, some of the, what people would consider crazy lifts, but you know, overhead, yeah. um, mm -hmm. snatch and all that stuff. So tell me a little bit more about kind of your background. Did you grow up in Pennsylvania? Um, just who, who you are as a person and where you, where you came from with archery and, and fitness, how all that got incorporated into your life. Yeah. Wow. So lots to wrap into a nutshell. Um, but I've been, been blessed to have these things introduced to me and kind of cross paths with fitness and the outdoors. Um, like you said, I'm, I'm from central Pennsylvania. I've always lived in Pennsylvania, uh, originally from the Western part of the state, but recently moved to the center of the state, which I like uh, better because it's more rural, uh, more more mountainous country, more opportunity to get into the outdoors. But um, I grew up uh, with a father that uh, was great at introducing me in, into the outdoors with hunting, fishing, hiking, camping, uh, all the above. So that's something that I'll just forever be grateful for. Um, and I've always so I've always done those things. And I've always enjoyed them, but. It wasn't until like my late teens that I really got hooked on bow hunting. And I'll kind of circle back to that. But before I really dove head first into bow hunting and just absolutely fell in love with it, um, I developed a passion for fitness. And that actually came about when I was probably, I think I was about 12. Uh, I remember asking my dad to buy me a pair of dumbbells because I was going to start playing football and I needed to get stronger. Right, built a little bit of muscle. So he did. And I quickly enjoyed seeing how my body could change when I was lifting. But fast forward a year or two from there, my parents went through a, a very difficult divorce and uh, fitness became my outlet. It became my escape. I'd come home from school. I'd eat a snack and I'd go down in the basement and spend two hours lifting, or I'd go to the local gym. Uh, I'd walk from my mom's apartment to the local gym and spend a couple hours there just lifting. And that really became a, a safe haven for me and a place to focus my, my time and effort in the midst of the negative and difficult things that were, were going on in my life and with my family. So that just kind of my, my passion and my love for fitness grew from there. And it, you know, slowly changed or, or looked a little different as I learned more and got into more stuff. And eventually uh, I, I enjoyed it so much that I wanted to pursue something more. And when I was 17 or so, I ended up getting into CrossFit, which quickly became something that uh, I was very passionate about. And I did CrossFit for a handful of years uh, until I had some things happen that forced me to kind of reevaluate the path I was on and what I was doing. And I pulled away from CrossFit. And it was at that time that I said, okay, I'm not knee deep in CrossFit anymore and competing. I need something to put my focus into, to get excited about, uh, to, to pursue right goals. And that's when I decided, Hey, I'm, I'm really going to spend more time with the bow, really spend more time bow hunting, learning and, and, uh, working towards mastering that craft, although we never master it. So, like I said, kind of coming full circle, fitness was a large part of my, we'll say preteen and teen life and, and still is certainly. Uh, and then that kind of transitioned into a real love for bow hunting and, it can give you more, more steps, uh, behind the scenes, but ultimately those two things came together to form archery strong, uh, to be what it is now. That's awesome. 
Yeah, I think, you know, I, I'm not a, I'm not a firm believer in the fact that fitness is the only thing that can fix stressors or, you know, mental health or, or things like what you were saying, where you started with football and then you ended up noticing that it was a good stress relief while your parents were going through that, uh, that separation <laughs> and, and divorce. That's always difficult on kids. Um, yeah. You know, that that's, that's super hard and it sucks that you had to deal with that. Uh, but you did find a release in working out. And, and yeah. I, I, I find that that's, it's a big help, right? It's obviously yeah. not the only uh, thing, but it, it is a huge help in, in releasing stress of any kind. And yeah. uh, I love that, that you started first by asking your dad to buy you some dumbbells, not a gym membership, but dumbbells. Um, yeah. <laughs> was, was there a reason why you wanted to work out from home or? Yeah. Cause at that time I was, I think I was about 12 or so. Oh, okay. So, um, my dad had some sort of like cable pulley machine. I, I forget it wasn't a Bowflex, but it was, it was something we had that, um, that I could use figured, Hey, let's grab some adjustable dumbbells. Uh, we made a, a rinky dink pull up bar that I used. Uh, so it was a, a kind of a crash course start, but, uh, it, it served me perfectly at that time. But as I remember, uh, now that you say that or ask that question, the very first place everybody I think remembers the first place they drive to when they got their license, uh, their driver's license. And for me, that was the the gym that I, I drove to. So I uh, spent a lot of times time in gyms for sure. That's awesome. That's sure. awesome. Well, you're better than me. Cause my first, first place I went was uh, I took, well, I guess when I had my permit is what I remember. I went and picked up my girlfriend with my dad in the passenger seat. <laughs> <laughs> So, but that's cool. That's awesome, man. Um, and you know, at the age of 12, you don't need much more than a pair of dumbbells no. and, and some resistance no. bands even, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's awesome. And then you got into CrossFit at 17. Um, yep. did you ever compete? I did. I did. Uh, I did a handful of, uh, local competitions, uh, in my area of Western PA, I competed in the CrossFit Open a handful of years, uh, 2014 or 15. I did really well, uh, and I was the top in my gym. Not quite going to regionals, but uh, did well. Was supposed to be on a, a, a regional team for my gym, and some things went south. Some some issues came up. Ended up not being able to get on the team, and that's actually what caused me to kind of step back. Just some things kind of all collided in my life. Um, at that same time that things were going south with, uh, with CrossFit or at least for that, that season, so to speak of CrossFit. And that's where I did just a lot of, a lot of hard thinking about myself, my, my pitfalls, my issues, weaknesses, and, um, came to a conclusion that really driving as hard as I was for physical fitness was neglecting other areas of my life as far as spiritual, mental, emotional, uh, type things. And that's where I, I stepped into archery and just immediately took off. And that, that has just done so much good for me in, in so many ways, um, that, that really have impacted me and changed my life without a doubt. Yeah. And I, you know, I find it really interesting in conversations that I've had with people, whether it be on the podcast or uh, outside, you know, in with my friends or whoever it may be that I encounter that are really into archery and, and fitness, they seem to almost have, I don't want to say like an addictive personality. That's how I would describe myself, but like yeah. you enjoy that, that tinkering, right? Like, uh, and I, I always give them credit for it, but I always say it too, that the tinkering always be tinkering that Dan yeah. from elk, elk shape says, I love that phrase because it really describes, I mean, your life from the very young age of 12, uh, and you were wanting to tinker with your body as far as building up your fitness and then being able to be a better football player and then moving into CrossFit competing mm -hmm. there, not just doing the workouts, but actually going and right. competing and now, you know, with archery and, and you've taken it to a whole new level of, uh, of, tra you know, trad bow. Did you start with compound at first or did you start? Oh, with yeah. The yeah, no, I started with a compound and, uh, absolutely loved it. I, man, if you told me, if you told me four years ago that, Hey, you're not going to shoot a compound bow for you're, you're going to go 
a year or more without shooting a compound bow, I would have thought you were absolutely nuts. Um, I absolutely loved it and still do love shooting it. But <clears throat> um, I have to give this, the, this side of the story that as much as I loved it, I, it was in the pandemic, right when the pandemic hit, like March, March of 2020 or whatever it was. And uh, I was having some, some real wear and tear issues uh, on the cables on my compound. And, um, and I did something stupid. I still don't really know what it was to this day, but I derailed one of my compounds, um, which was a mess. And at that time, I really couldn't get any help because everything was shut down and closed down. So I was on top of that, had a lot of extra time, obviously, with the, the pandemic and things being shut down. So I said, you know what, I've been curious and wanting to try, you know, this trad bow thing, traditional archery. So this is a good time to do it with a little spare time. And I don't have to worry about messing with equipment as much. So I, I got some help from uh, Tom Klum from RMS gear, and he guided me to start. And man, as soon as I started shooting that thing and seeing how hard it was, but how rewarding and exciting it was to, to once in a while, see that arrow go where it was supposed to go, even at 10 yards. It, it happened quickly uh, that I put down the compound for the most part and I still have it, you know, it's still back. I still have two of them, two PSEs back behind me. Uh, but it's, it is just a totally different beast. It's a totally different world when it comes to shooting and getting better. When you, you mentioned, right. Uh, always be tinkering, um, for comp, a compound shooter. A lot of that tinkering is with equipment and, and gear, right. Sight, arrow, et cetera. And you could do that in trad bow, but I almost think like in the, with a compound, a lot of the always be tinkering is with the equipment, with the trad bow. It's, it's with you, it's with yourself, with your technique, um, and, and the different styles that you can tweak and adjust. So on the shooting side of things, it is such a, a challenging, but rewarding endeavor to just get 1% better, 1%, 1% better. And then when it comes to bow hunting, um, man, with, with a trad bow, as, as you probably know, or can imagine, you just have to get so much closer that it, it, it is so, so dang exciting. Um, and it, it has really opened my eyes to, to a lot, a lot of more details on being a better hunter, how to get closer, how to read, how to read things, how to read the land. Um, it's, it's really expanded my thoughts and my approach, uh, which has been really exciting. And again, really rewarding. That's awesome. And again, that theme kind of comes up where you're like, you got hooked on the challenge of it. Right. And, yeah. uh, also, you know, I, I kind of, I started a specific journey of my own when the pandemic hit, you did as well. And a lot of other people that are, that are successful, that are again, passionate about fitness, the outdoors, uh, their families, they took almost, and I know a lot of people have suffered due to the pandemic, but I notice a lot of people have grown from it even, yeah. and have yeah. their family relationships are stronger. They're personally stronger, whether it be physically, mentally, or both. And then, yeah. you know, you picked up something that you were saying creates more tinkering with yourself. Cause there's not much you can, you can't tinker with the cams and the cam lean and all the yeah. other stuff that goes along with a uh, compound bow you tinker with, or you have a stick. Uh, stick bow, right? Mm -hmm. That's what they call yeah. it. And yeah, yeah. that's it. Like there's not much yeah. tinkering you can do with that. Once the bow is actually made, um, right. it's all about your own technique. And I've seen so many different styles of uh, how you draw it back. I mean, I don't know how you hold it. Do you even call it? Like, what is that? What, what is this called? Like, you know, you use a release with a compound, but what's the grip? What's the terminology for the grip that you use? Yeah. So uh, where your arrow would knock on the string, you, you Typically, you're either three under, uh, meaning three fingers underneath the, the knock of the arrow, your split finger, which the knock of the arrow goes between the pointer and the middle finger, still three fingers on the string, are the two most common styles. And then um, I, I, some people do shoot with a thumb, with their thumb. I'm not familiar with that. Uh, but yeah, you're just essentially putting that near the end of your fingertips or in that first crease and 
holding on to that strength. So it's a very, I guess, I guess it's, it's, it's got uh, the release God made, right? Your fingers, <laughs> no, no hint, no caliper, nothing. That's so, awesome. Yeah. So yeah, I, I don't see many people that use the thumb uh, method. Uh, I know Joel Turner does. Yeah. Um, he's and it's been, does. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's kind of the bigger, bigger name guy that I, I've seen do it, but um, yeah. that's awesome, man. And so, yeah. you know, just again, going back into the whole uh, finding challenges and embracing those challenges. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you've done that ever since you were young, you know, you mm-hmm. grew up love and fitness. You've incorporated that now into to archery strong. Um, tell us a little bit more about archery strong. What is, what's archery strong about? What is your goal with it? Um, and, and what do you provide? Sure. So with, with my love for shooting a bow in my love for hunting, which goes so much deeper than being accurate with a bow or filling a tag, um, you know, it, it truly is part of my way of life, but with, with how much I love those things, I know for me, and I don't, I don't just speak for myself, but that is something that I never want to be taken away from me. And I never want to lose that. And one thing, potentially one of the biggest threats to not being able to enjoy archery hunting or shooting a bow or competing in archery is shoulder injuries. And that happens, that, that happens a lot more, um, well, some people are very aware they have, you know, numerous friends or guys at the bow shop or whatever that are saying, I can't, you know, shoot a bow anymore. I've got to shoot a crossbow or, or I haven't shot for a long time because my shoulder's messed up. Uh, you hear those stories all the time if you're around a lot of archers. So I know that, you know, I'm not the only one who loves bow hunting and loves shooting a bow um, as much as I do. So my goal and the purpose behind archery strong is to make sure people can either return to shooting a bow can shoot a bow pain free or can shoot for years and decades to come without injury so the way that we do that and this is just one piece of the pie but one of the, the, the main way that I do that or the way that I'm approaching things is by making sure that the shoulders are as healthy, as functional, and as strong as possible. Uh, your shoulders are, are not all that much different than your compound bow, meaning that you know, right, from tinkering with your bow that if your cams are way off or things are way out of time, or things are, things are loose that shouldn't be loose or things are tight that shouldn't be tight. You know, that can be catastrophic for, for your bow, right? Just like I said earlier, I derailed my bow one day. I, I think I, I think I torqued my bow, right. But I used that machine in a way that it, it wasn't meant to be used and it caused a catastrophic issue. Same thing can occurs with shoulder. That shoulder has moving parts, parts that should move parts that shouldn't move. Uh, parts that should move in certain ways and not other ways. And as we go throughout life, our shoulders deteriorate. Either they pick up bad patterns, they pick up bad habits. Uh, the range of motion decreases. They become unstable. They become overly sensitive. They become weak. All of these negative changes can occur. And those are the things that get exposed when you shoot a bow. Uh, shooting a bow is really not bad. Shooting a bow is not bad for 99% of the population. It's just fine. But what end up, ends up happening is it can expose existing shoulder issues, right? If you took somebody off the street that in general, day-to-day life, their shoulders feel fine and function fine but you ask them to do a repetitive activity that requires range of motion and loading like shooting a bow does, um, it can go south, south very quickly. So what I do is I either on the preventative side of things or uh, addressing an actual shoulder, shoulder injury or a shoulder with pain, I assess the shoulder, determine what that shoulder needs. And then I provide specific corrective exercises to address that issue. So um, the, the real meat and potatoes of what I'm doing is, is providing these methodical, purposeful, specific 
exercises called corrective exercises that are meant to do exactly what they sound like, which is correct the shoulder function or perhaps improve the shoulder function or fix the shoulder function, however you want to look at it. But going back to that bow, it's, it's making sure that all the parts are doing their job. And when I am working with a shoulder, we're trying to get that shoulder back to a place where all of the parts are doing, doing their job. Um, so that's my approach. Now I, I would be, uh, I would not be covering things full circle if I didn't mention, you know, of course there's things like, um, like proper shooting technique. Uh, I touch on that a little bit, but I'm not, I'm not an archery coach. I, I approach archery from a, a biomechanical perspective and a, uh, a, an anatomical and uh, perspective, meaning knowing how these parts are supposed to move and function in relation to archery, but I'm not like an archery coach as far as teaching you how to execute a hinge release. That's not me. Um, but you know, of course, shooting techniques plays a role in this whole grand scheme. Having the proper equipment plays a little bit of a role in this grand scheme of longevity and, and shoulder health and archery. So those things are important among other things, but, um, at the end of the day, we are, when we shoot a bow, we are repetitively, we are performing a repetitive activity through a range of motion under load, just like throwing a baseball, just like swinging a golf club. And these parts of our shoulders and our upper body need to be equipped to handle repetitive load. That's the, the big component. There is uh, archery is a the the all-star example of a repetitive loading activity and that can be very troublesome for a shoulder that's not equipped to handle that no definitely i, I agree with you 100 and the shoulder is one of the weakest joints in the body <clears throat> simply because it's not connected bone on bone there's it's not a you know it's a floating joint and anyone out there that's either gone through an anatomy class or has, uh, you know, field dress an animal understands that the Back. front, you know, the front legs aren't attached like the rear. And yeah. so I agree with that hundred percent. There's a lot you can do to correct, um, kind of like how you were explaining, you know, with cameline and all that with, with tendons and ligaments and all the muscles and everything that go into the shoulder itself, uh, is it's huge. And one little tweak can make a huge difference, whether it be good or bad. And so yeah. what's, what's kind of your, what's your background on that? I mean, did you just kind of approach it because of your knowledge, your personal knowledge on archery, the body through fitness, or, uh, do you have a degree or did you work somewhere that worked with, with those things? What, um, what's your background on, I guess, uh, anatomy? Yeah, absolutely. So pretty much all the above that you had just mentioned. So I have a degree in exercise physiology. So I went for four years to a school in Western PA, College of Western PA called Slippery Rock for that. So that's where, that's kind of where I transitioned to, right? I had this love of fitness in uh, my teen years, of course, learned a lot and had some good experiences there. But then when I went and studied that for four years in college, that's where all the anatomy, the biomechanics, the physiology, kinesiology, all of those things, right, uh, gave me a great foundation to understand how these parts, these moving parts, these machines, so to speak, in our upper, upper body are supposed to work. But um, the big thing that really allows me uh, or, or gives me the knowledge and the skills to be able to do what I do is while I was in college and then after I graduated, I worked for about five years in a sports injury clinic where every day I did pretty much exactly what I just explained, where I would assess movement whether that was shoulder, hip, knee, ankle, whatever it was, but I would assess movement, determine what the issue was, and then provide specific corrective exercises for that issue. So I did that for about five years. And for some different reasons, I didn't uh, see it as a long-term um, career for me. And while I was there, I actually started Archery Strong. Um, so I kind of tapered off from working at that sports injury clinic and sports performance clinic, tapered off from that as uh, Archer Strong was uh, started and, and started to grow and build uh, to be what it is today. And then in the midst of all that, I've done um, a variety of different strength and conditioning coaching with different types of athletes, 
Um, I've done uh, quite a bit of Olympic weightlifting coaching uh, in seminars. I've done some CrossFit coaching, personal training. Uh, so I, I've been very lucky to have some opportunities to see human movement and how people respond to certain exercise protocols and exercises in a variety of situations, atmospheres, and training styles. But really the, the thing that jump-started me and that I still uh, base so much of what I do on is were those five years uh, assessing movement and providing corrective exercises at that sports injury clinic here in uh, Western Pennsylvania. So between the practical experience of coaching and working with different types of people, the traditional academic journey in college, and then the time in the uh, sports injury office, it's, it's been been the staple and the foundation for doing this. And then of course, like any, uh, anybody would or should in, in this type of thing, you know, just continuing to read, continuing to learn, learning from other people, uh, learning from my clients, learning from archers that aren't my clients. Um, just trying to soak up as much as I can as I keep going here. That's awesome. That's, that's really cool, man. I, uh, I myself was looking at going into physical therapy at one point. Um, and then I realized kind of similar to you where I kind of hit a point where I, I could help other people in more ways than just through, cause once you're a physical therapist, that's all you do is physical therapy all day. Yeah. And you kind of, you can choose specialties more or less. I really like the orthopedic side of things in general, but that's a lot of, you know, knee replacements, uh, frozen shoulders, things like that. And, um, I just decided that that wasn't for me. So uh, I, I like what you're doing and I like how you're super specific with archery, but I've seen a lot of your stuff. Uh, it's not just with hunters. Um, you yeah. just put something up the other day. Uh, was it an Olympian that you worked with or, or I, I can't remember the, the one post that you put up a couple of days ago. Um, what was she competing in? Well, if it was one, if it were like two days ago or so, that was a, uh, a female collegiate archer that uh, had to take some time off of shooting, had had a pretty pretty significant uh, bow shoulder issue, but we worked together for a couple of months and she uh, was back to shooting. She had a great shoot, great tournament uh, here recently. So yeah, to your, to your comment there, um, I work with everybody from bow hunters to traditional archers to uh, Olympic recurve archers um, to your competitive compound shooter. I've got guys uh, in Vegas right now. So I certainly don't, uh, I certainly don't veer one way or the other. I, I want to help any archer that I can. That's awesome. On, on that note, I'd like to hear from you uh, two or three of your top success stories um, from people that you've helped, uh, whether it be as bad as, you know, some type of surgery or just a frozen shoulder issue or just a little tweak, but what's maybe two or three stories um, of your clients that have come out super successful in the end uh, with being able to continue their passion of shooting in archery uh, that you've been able to help out? Yeah, I'm taking a second here to, <clears throat> to think about which ones would be good stories. Uh, I'm trying to think of a third, but I've, I've got two, uh, and I kind of just told one, but, uh, it kind of fresh on my mind. So, uh, again, this, this was, and I, I am, am careful to not share too many details, but, um, this was a young female archer, uh, college age. And at that age, being a college female archer, there should not be any issues related to uh, either pain or injury in the shoulders, right? That is, that is, of course, a time where there's still some growth and development occurring, but, you know, really, truly, that's, that's where we typically consider uh, humans to be most resilient. So, like I said, she was having a significant enough issue with the bow shoulder that she had to stop shooting. So, she stopped shooting and uh, was very patient. We started to work with her bow shoulder and it was a pri primarily a loading and instability issue. 
<clears throat> for as a side note for particularly young female archers, I don't know that I've ever seen a young female archer with a restriction in their shoulder, meaning tightness. Um, so I, I just say that because so, so often people are asking or thinking, you know, what stretches should I be doing? Uh, I keep stretching my shoulder. I'm, I'm doing this stretch, that stretch. And this was like the total opposite. I, I don't think we did a single stretch, uh, with her the entire couple of months that we were working together, but this was all loading and stability based. We <clears throat> had her off, the, off shooting and off the bow, like I said, built that shoulder up. And it was one of the most specific examples of methodical progression that I've ever had, meaning that it was like an inchworm slowly loading her and building her up. We started her on like, uh, for instance, one of the movements or one of the things that we were trying to build up and, and use as training in a test was um, plank variations. And we started her with a very simple, relatively high incline plank. And it was started at like two sets of 20 to 30 seconds on a high incline plank. So very low level, especially for, you know, a young, uh, healthy overall um, young lady. And from there, it was just slowly decreasing that incline, slowly building uh, up into a regular plank, slowly introducing more complex plank variations, and then ultimately getting into some really quite aggressive, difficult plank variations, because again, the focus was her bow shoulder. So we were doing those things among a lot of other different types of loading strategies and uh, just very specific and very methodical, but she slowly started. We got her back into shooting, slowly built up shooting and she was feeling good. So uh, she has been into full practices the past couple of weeks and uh, had that tournament shoot uh, here, I believe it was like a week ago or so. Uh, and she had no issues. She was able to get through a couple full rounds of shooting without any issues. So that was, that was awesome. Um, another example, this is a cool one. This, this one's fresh in my mind. Um, a gentleman who's a traditional archer, traditional bow hunter, uh, came to me, I believe it was last summer. Uh, he had had a shoulder surgery, I believe the winter before that. So he had the shoulder surgery because he had, uh, an issue with his rotator cuff, had the shoulder surgery, went through physical therapy, uh, through the process that, uh, they recommend. And then, like I see a lot of people, people will come out of physical therapy and they're like, well, I got released from physical therapy, but now what? I really don't feel all that strong. I don't feel very good shooting my bow or I can't, I still can't shoot my bow. So that's where I'll often come in and help them rebuild and build back up to shooting. And that was the case for this gentleman. So uh, he came to me, he needed to get to a certain poundage or a certain weight uh, by archery season. So we worked together. We started very low level. His, his strength levels uh, and, fun and levels of function weren't great, but slowly built him back up, slowly built the strength, the stability, the movement patterns that that shoulder and really both shoulders needed. And uh, I kind of let him spread his wings and fly into archery season. And he was able to take his uh, biggest buck with his trad bow uh, to date this season, which was awesome. You know, it's just, just so, so exciting to see and, and really, really neat to see. Yeah, that's awesome. I, uh, I can, I can relate with you on the fact that it fills your bucket to help other people succeed. Uh, mm -hmm. that, that, you know, I can, I could see the smile that, you know, both those stories put on your face. And, um, I love the idea that, you know, you took them through this painful process because someone that performs at such a high level, like this young collegiate athlete, or even this uh, older man that's been hunting probably his whole life and the prospect of not being able to either compete for her or for him compete in his Super Bowl, right. If his, uh, of his year where he gets to go and he gets to go hunt. Um, and you were able to be a key part of that in helping them get healthy and, and walk them through that progression. Because a lot of people uh, you know, me included, like when there's an injury, you kind of get down in the dumps because you know you're not going to be able to do the things that you love to do. And, yeah. and it, it's it's almost scary sometimes to think that, 
you know, especially with the way that we work out that you could tweak something just from one small wrong movement on the snatch or the clean or whatever. And you won't be able to shoot your bow. Not only won't you be able to do those movements yeah. for a little while, but you won't be able to shoot your bow. Uh, yeah. Those thoughts go through my mind sometimes. And, and it keeps me on track with technique for sure. Um, Absolutely. But that's, that, that's awesome. I, thank you for sharing those stories. Um, it's cool that you've got some people in Vegas right now and hopefully they do well uh, while they're out there. And uh, I, I did want to ask you, so has part of has the outdoors been in your life pretty much your entire life being out in Pennsylvania? It's one state I've driven through. I haven't uh, visited like I want to. I'm a big Steelers fan. Mm. I don't know if you're Eagles no. or Steelers. <laughs> really neither, but grew up. You don't Steelers. care. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. I don't watch sports anymore, but when they're on, when they're in the playoffs or whatever, I'll, I'll turn them on. But, yeah. uh, but I'd love to visit Pennsylvania. I've heard it's great. I've heard you talk about how, especially central Pennsylvania is a, a, a bow hunter's paradise. Um, and, uh, tell me a little bit more about that. Did you grow up in the outdoors or is that something you kind of grew into as you got older? Uh, I grew up in the outdoors. Um, like I said, my dad introduced me to hunting, fishing, hiking, camping, uh, everything in the outdoors. So man, I, I still have very vivid memories of being quite young, uh, and him taking me along before I was able to hunt him, uh, taking me along to, uh, deer hunt some certain times. And I would, we, we talk about it a lot, but, um, with it being winter time here there, we have a flintlock muzzleloader season here. And, uh, I remember when I was, I was young man and, uh, we were hunting over on a friend's farm near the house and he had his flintlock couple doe come out. He's all set up, ready to go. And he pulls the trigger, click that flint comes down, doesn't spark doesn't spark the powder, uh, and ignite. And I just remember being so bummed, so bummed, like, Oh man, I wanted you to get, get a deer so bad. But, um, yeah, so I, I've been hunting and he took me fishing. I remember catching, you know, catching bass down at the neighborhood pond that he'd take me to. Uh, so that, that had always been part of my life that in sports. Um, and I, when I was, or I guess what I'm getting to is, in my early teen years is when I started to take out the outdoors seriously. Uh, <clears throat> I was really big into baseball, probably seven years old to like 12 years old. It was like my life and I got burnt out and I just was done with it. I was very discouraged. And uh, all I wanted to do at that point when I was like 12 years old, 10, 12 years old was bass fish. Uh, I just fell in love and loved bass fishing. So the trajectory was, was kind of like bass fishing, loved it, loved it, loved it, moved into bow hunting. Um, but to answer your question, yeah, I grew up in the outdoors, start to, or fell in love with bass fishing when I was in my preteen, so to speak, teenage years, and then uh, moved into bow hunting. And, uh, and that's definitely kept my, kept my attention and my time and effort. Awesome. Yeah. I grew up bass fishing and there's, there's nothing like when a large mouth hits that lure, you know, yeah. there's something about it that just gets, it's awesome. Um, so you grew up in the outdoors and now, you know, you're big into archery hunting now. I mean, how many have you taken with your, uh, with your trad bow at this point? It's been two years now that you've had it or. Yeah. Yeah. Last year, last year I hunted about 90% with my trad bow. I, uh, last year I took a doe with my trad bow and a doe with my compound. Uh, but I did spend most of the, the season last season with my trad bow this season. I hunted 100% with my trad bow and I hunted about 99% off the ground with my trad bow, uh, either still hunting or, uh, just using ground cover, which was, uh, just awesome. Just absolutely awesome. Uh, but this year with my trad bow, I took my first buck on public land off the ground with my trad bow. And then I took a doe on my dad's, uh, small farm off the ground with my trad bow. So, uh, three, three doe total, uh, with my trad bow. And I would be remiss not, not saying or commenting that, uh, I absolutely love to deer hunt with 
with a bow, but even more than that, I enjoy here in Pennsylvania groundhog hunting uh, with a with a bow. And I know you guys don't have groundhogs out there, but they're kind of like a prairie dog if you've come across them. Just just bigger and uh, not not as many clumped together. <laughs> I was going to say they're kind of fat prairie dogs. Yeah, you know, exactly. everyone watches them around this time of year because you know you got Groundhog Day and. Uh, yeah, I can't. I don't even remember what the I, I used to watch it. I don't know why. I think the school would put it on, but um, I yeah. can't remember if he said there's going to be more winter or more, or summer's going to come. I don't know. Do you know? Yeah, it's actually more winter because, funny enough, the next pretty much the next town over from where I live here in central Pennsylvania is where they have that groundhog. It's Punxsutawney. So That's awesome. Punxsutawney. Do they, do they like protect that one area so you know hunters can't go in there and take out the groundhog? That- <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's it's funny you say that because having recently moved here, I'm trying to get permission to more properties and farms to groundhog hunt. And uh, there's some nice farms over in that area. And I'm, I'm kind of wondering to myself, are they going to be offended if I ask to, to hunt for groundhogs over there? In awesome. I doubt <laughs> it. I, they're, they're, they're considered a, um, a major varmint uh, here in, in Pennsylvania. So the farmers... The farmers want them gone and need them gone, and uh, it's it's just a great way to to get out and hunt and um, get some reps in the field. Enjoy the outdoors, yeah. Get some reps, and, yeah. That's awesome. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah I can't I imagine. Had to add I mean, that in. Oh, go ahead. No, I said I had to add that in. I know it wasn't. You asked how many deer I'd gotten with my bow, but I had to add that in. Oh yeah, no. I mean, that's not something that a lot of people think about going uh, you know, groundhog hunting with a bow. I can't imagine, I can't imagine with a trad bow trying to hit that small target, you know, <laughs> you got to get close. You got to get close. That's actually how I got started bow hunting. Cause I, when I really started to take it seriously, um, it was June, it was June and I'd been practicing for a handful of weeks and I was like, all right, you know, I'm, I'm practicing. I'm getting pretty good with this compound. And I asked my dad, I said, dad, I'm getting good. What, what can I hunt? He's like, well, bud, it's, it's June in Pennsylvania. And he kind of giggled and he said, you can, you can try uh, hunting groundhogs with a bow, but it's going to be pretty tough. And little did he know the, the, uh, the obsession and the the fire he had lit under me. And uh, it took me many, many, many hunts to, to get one with a bow. But uh, now I've, I've been able to get over 300 with a bow. So it's uh it's one of my favorite things to do wow over 300 that's pretty significant yeah um, 300 do you do you eat them or because they're varmints you just kind of are they like yeah, rabbits or i i kind of came or i was thinking about that typically no because they are they are varmint um and you know it's not something you traditionally think of of eating as far as game you harvest and you know typically i just let them go back into the the food chain right the life cycle that they become they get decomposed uh and scavenged upon just like happens uh when they die in the wild um but i started thinking about it i thought you know i don't really have a good reason not to on the outside they're not clean uh because they they live in holes and they live in dirt but their diet consists of nearly 100% greens, alfalfa, clover, wheat, etc. So I thought, you know, uh, I'm going to try it. So this year I'm going to try it. And I'm, I'm slowly getting my wife on board with, <laughs> with that, that idea, but I'm convinced if prepared correctly, like a lot of wild game, I think it'll be just fine. Just slow cook it. Everything is good in the crock pot with right seasoning, yeah. right? <laughs> right? Right. That's awesome. That, that's yeah. so cool. I, I honestly, I would have never thought like, I've, you know, I've seen prairie dogs and I think groundhogs with like a little 22, you know, you go out there and yeah. it's almost like little target practice, but I've never, I've never seen that with a bow. That's so cool. Um, all right. Well, I do want to ask you a couple more questions here in regards to your family. I know off, off air, we uh, talked about how you're, you're holding off right now on kids, but you, you don't think you'll be able to hold off much longer. Um, you're only 27. <laughs> And, yeah. and, you know, I, I think that's, I'm 29. Um, and I jumped right into Insta dad. Um, Did you? yeah, my, my wife had a couple of kids before we got married. So I, I claim them as mine because, uh, yeah, uh, their dad's not in the picture, but, um, yeah. 
you know, I didn't start having kids when I was eight. Some people ask me that because I've got a 21 year old. <laughs> so, uh, but I, I did want to ask you, um, you know, with, with your wife, how do you guys enjoy getting outside? What do you, do you guys work out together? Um, do you go camping? What, what are some things that you guys go and do? Yeah, she, she comes from a house. I can't say she comes from an outdoors family, but she comes from an outdoors dad. Uh, her sisters aren't really outdoorsy and her mom certainly is not outdoorsy, but her dad hunts. Uh, he fishes, he likes camping. He, he, he's, he's what I would consider an outdoorsman. So I say that because she's definitely always been familiar with those things. She actually grew up about, well, she grew up in central Pennsylvania. So uh, she's always been around that culture and, and that lifestyle. So <clears throat> as far as what we like to do together, <clears throat> she's not, she's certainly not like diving in headfirst in the outdoors like I do, but she, she does love to be a part of it um, in, in different facets and in different regards. So she will typically a couple times a year, she'll come archery hunting with me and just, just kind of come and um, come along, enjoy, watch. And I've had some awesome hunts with her uh, along with me and by my side last year when I got my first uh, trad bow deer, she came and uh, held the light for me while, while I uh, took care of business there in the field, uh, which was cool. Uh, she likes to fish. She's a good fisherman. She's patient. So uh, I think on our, our second date, uh, I took her fishing and uh, she caught more fish than me, but I caught some bigger fish. Um, so we like to do that. Uh, she, she enjoys hiking with me. Uh, scouting. She'll go with me sometimes. We just recently got a German short hair pointer. So that has really sparked more of an interest for her to go hiking and to take him. And uh, she doesn't hunt, but she's expressed an interest in perhaps uh, bird hunting for grouse and pheasants in, in PA just uh, to be part of uh, hunting with him and being behind him, our, our new dog. And then uh, we kind of have a little I guess little homestead here with uh we like to garden and, and grow some of our own food and then we've got uh eight chickens out back behind uh behind the barn so a uh, little bit of a little bit of everything that that we do together and that she jumps in on so it's it's a nice balance of we can do it together and she enjoys it but she's not so so deep in it that it's like, man, can we just have some alone time once in a while? You know, I, I'm, I'm alone plenty in the field and, and that's just fine. I think it's, it's again, a good balance of us having our own things, but uh, also doing things together. Uh, definitely. That sounds, sounds awesome. Uh, and you knew <laughs> from that second date that she was the one, right? Cause she caught more <laughs> fish than you, but, but you Pretty caught bigger fish, fish right? <laughs> I, I, groundhog hunting too. And she's, she's done great. She's done great, man. That's awesome. So. So it sounds like when you guys do eventually have children that, you know, you'll get them involved and, and at least provide the opportunity for them to learn, uh, 100%. you know, whatever they want. And then that, you know, as they grow older, they'll obviously choose what, what they prefer to do, but that's, that's awesome, man. Um, what are, if you could list three things that drive you on a daily basis, like when you wake up in the morning, what gets you out of bed? what would those three things be? Definitely one, one of those is responsibility. Um, so I'm notorious. My wife yells at me for trying to jam as much in as I possibly can every day. Uh, every day I get up, I get up at 4:45 to start uh, working on client programming and responding to messages and stuff like that. Um, but responsibility and the fact that, uh, I've got people that I'm providing a service to, uh, I have the responsibility of taking care of myself to keep myself healthy with working out, eating right. Um, and I have a responsibility to not only my wife, but I think about my future kids, you know, when I have kids that I want to, I want to be laying the groundwork now, doing the right things now so that, I'm prepared and equipped, uh, to, to best serve and love them. Uh, you know, anything from, uh, as silly as it sounds, man, like we've got a pipe that I've got to put some extra insulation on cause it's froze, uh, twice this year. And, uh, we can't take a hot shower when that happens. 
Like I, I, that's something I've got a responsibility to do and, and take care of, right? Something as silly as that, all the way from that to making sure that I'm keeping my business going. So responsibility is one. Um, discipline is kind of goes along with that. But uh, I talk so much with my clients about, you know, they'll say, I don't have a lot of motivation or I'm losing my, losing my motivation. And I'm saying, I, I talk to them so much and I'm say, saying to them, like, listen, <clears throat> motivation is, <clears throat> I don't want to say it's not real, but like, forget it. Like motivation comes and goes and it, it fades and it wanes so much. Get rid of it. Uh, it is a good thing and it's going to be useful sometimes, but it's discipline. The fact that, hey, I'm committing to something or I believe in something, so I'm going to do it. No questions asked. Uh, so there's just a lot of things in my life that uh, I try to hold myself to a high level of discipline. And I certainly fail and I'm not perfect with it, but I'm getting better and, and that's exciting. And then the last thing, and I would say the biggest driver uh, is that each day as I, I'm, I'm so young, right? I'm 27. I, I feel like I'm still learning about the world, learning about what it means to live a fulfilling life. <clears throat> and, and, and I've been thinking a lot about that. And I'd say the number one thing that gets me out of bed is <clears throat> the desire to, and it's, I don't want it to sound cliche. It's the desire to maximize and use every day to its fullest potential or most days, certainly not every day. Um, but, but almost every day, most days, uh, I want, I want to do as much as I possibly can because, you know, God's only going to give me 60, 70, 80, 90 years, right. If I'm lucky, maybe a hundred. And, um, I want to, I want to go out in the woods like I did today and go see a bald Eagle. I want to, uh, go lift weights in my, my barn gym. I want to, uh, go, you know, walk around the property and looking at where the birds are feeding. I want to, you know, try to talk to an extra client today. I want to sit down and talk to my wife for an extra 10 minutes. Just all those little things, uh, I think contribute to a uh, fulfilling life. And even in, in just as strong as a fulfilling life, uh, my personal opinion is that it's those types of things that are our true success. Um, I get very frustrated. I know I'm kind of getting off topic here, but I, it goes along with your question. So I'm going to say it. Uh, I get very frustrated with this, this definition of success uh, being strictly related to financial income. Um, the three wealthiest people by far that I know have the most issues relationally, uh, whether that's with their family, with issues with themselves, et cetera. I'm not saying that that's causation, that you know, financial wealth is going to lead to that. But my point being is that there's so much more to being successful than, than finances. And just like I said, to me, um, trying to maximize every day, success to me is spending a little bit more time with my wife today than I did the day before. It is going out of my way to reach out to a client that I, I think could, you know, use an uplifting message to do an extra two minutes in the workout today. I was planning on only doing 10 minutes, but I did 12. Um, you know, just those, those little things, uh, to me are, are so important to, to, to feel successful and to feel fulfilled. So responsibility, discipline, and, uh, a drive to, to, be the best that I can be for myself, but, but others too, is what uh, gets me out of the bed, out of bed in the morning. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I love that you have that sense of responsibility, you know, that you, you take on your clients, you take on your family uh, and then, you know, the discipline idea. So I agree with you hundred percent that motivation is very temporary. It waxes and wanes. It's, it's very uh, temporary. I mean, I guess that's the best way to put it. Yeah. Um, and I, I explain it to people that way. Like I'm not always motivated either. Yeah. You no, know, it's just a matter I, of, I, if anything, I can say I'm consistent, you know, I yeah. do, I do what I say I'm going to do period. It's almost to a fault where, and I don't know if, cause you kind of sound like me where you try and get as much done as you can. My wife's like, you know how I know this isn't on your list of things to do. Cause you haven't done it yet. And I'm like, <laughs> dang it. Like, <laughs> and, uh, very, very observant and intelligent. 
<laughs> she calls me out on it all the time. She's like, well, I know you say you want to do it, but I really know you don't because, <laughs> um, oh, man. but oh. yeah, no, I, I, I hear you, man, on that. And then wanted to maximize every single day. You know, uh, the other day I was just looking up and my daughter, the youngest daughter just turned five in Feb and, uh, sorry, in December. And, uh, she was just in her PJs. I don't know what it was about that very moment, but I just looked at her. I'm like, I remember when I used to be able to wrap you up in that blanket that doesn't even cover half your body now. You yeah. know, I'm like, where did those five years go? Like I made, I made the most of every moment, but still it's like, it's crazy. It just flies by, you know, and five yeah. years from now, you'll look back and think the same yeah. thing. Like where, and so I, I love that maximizing every single day. It's so important. Um, and yeah. you know, it's just that that's awesome. Right? That's awesome that you focus on that. Yeah. Um, and then to, to wrap up here real quick, are you planning on shooting an elk with your trad bow? <laughs> hmm. I was thinking about that the other day. Uh, my dad, well, uh, uh, very small, quick backstory is, uh, the deal was when we were kids that, uh, when we were 16, 18 or something, we would all get to pick a hunt we wanted to go on. Uh, and my oldest sister went first. She picked uh, a Colorado um, antelope pronghorn. I, I forget what technically the right phrase is for that, but uh, she she went and, and hunted pronghorn in Colorado. And between her time and when it was supposed to be my time, everything went south with my parents. So uh, my my hunt never happened. I did get to go fly fishing in, in Montana, which is cool, but I didn't, didn't get to do the, the hunt, you know? Um, so in relation to your question, now that, you know, I've, I've grown up and, and I'm, uh, you know, standing on my own two feet, my dad's back standing on his own two feet. Uh, our, our dream is to go on an elk hunt, uh, together in a couple of years here. And <clears throat> he asked me that question too, you know, I mean, I know I, I could tell like you kind of it's like you're going to take your compound, right? But I'm just like, man, I love hunting with that thing and, and shooting that thing so much. Um, I would I would probably I would probably take the compound because I feel like I should. Uh, but man, I I I would love to do it with a with a, a recurve. That's for sure. That's awesome. So, yeah, we'll I just but it's hard you know when you get that opportunity that i don't know how many times i'm going to be able to do that in my life but when you get that opportunity it's kind of like man i don't know if i want to limit myself uh, i'm totally okay limiting myself with whitetails and groundhogs and turkeys and stuff but when it comes to that that opportunity i don't know don't know yeah have you ever seen an elk in person yeah i actually okay. uh, three or so years, two years ago, maybe I was all set up, uh, bought a, bought a tag, everything, uh, for, to go on a Montana elk hunt. Uh, my dad's, one of my dad's best friends was going to take me, we were going to, uh, take, take, uh, llamas back in, um, you know, do the whole ordeal was psyched, pumped. And a week or two before the hunt, I got a text that said, Hey, we're going to have to cancel. So super disappointed, been training, shooting, everything, bought all, all the gear, was really excited to have somebody take me under their wing because I did, didn't and still don't know much about elk hunting. Um, so I was really bummed, uh, but my dad's other best friend and his son, who I'm also friends with, said, hey, we're, we're going to Wyoming at the time. They had like six or 700 acres in Wyoming that was surrounded by national forest. And they said, hey, we're going to go elk hunting. Um, you know, unfortunately you can't get a tag, but you could come with us. So I did. And man, that was one of the greatest experiences of my life. Uh, I just, just went along, didn't carry a bow, didn't have a tag for anything, didn't hunt for anything, <clears throat> but just went along. And it truly felt like, uh, I, I did everything except release that arrow. And, uh, we had some incredible encounters, uh, bulls really close bulls screaming, uh, it was, it was exciting. And my, my buddy was able to, to kill a nice bull on that trip was just, which was just, oh man, yeah, what, what an adventure. That was awesome. So I hope to be able to do it again one day. 
Yeah. I, uh, you know, I, my heart gets racing for deer a little bit. Um, first time I ever saw a mule deer kind of blew me away. Cause I grew up in North Carolina. So I was used to white yeah. tails and then I saw this thing. I was like, who let this horse with antlers out? Like what? Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, elk, there's something else about them and it, it gets me like, even just hearing them, I don't even have to see them, you know, just being out there and hearing even oh. cow calls, like my heart goes through the roof and it's Amazing. just a whole nother experience. I, I love those animals. Um, well, that's awesome, dude. Well, I, I do appreciate your time being on the podcast today and, and actually getting to chat with you um, yeah. rather than just over social media. You're an awesome, dude. And I love what yeah. you're doing for the archery community um, and keeping people involved as long as they possibly can. Uh, if people are looking for programs or for your help, where's the best place that they can find you at? Yeah, uh, best place is uh, Instagram is where I'm primarily at. Uh, so that's archery.strong. So it's archery, then a period and strong on Instagram. And then archerystrong.com. There's a way to peruse around, uh, look, look at what I have to offer right now. Uh, send a, a message to me if you'd like. So I always welcome to pe welcome people to reach out, even if you just got questions or curiosities. You don't always have to be interested in, in working with me. I just like to connect with people and hear from people. That's awesome. All right, guys. We'll go check them out. Um, again, thank you so much for being on Christian. I, I really appreciate right it. Um, if you guys are in the Pennsylvania area, especially go, go check him out, go check out his, his gym in his barn, which is freaking <laughs> awesome. Uh, okay. go work out in the cold. You need one of those barbell warmers is what yeah. you need. I can imagine it gets cold out there. Oh uh, yeah. Bar gets really, really cold. That's what gloves are for. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thanks again for coming on and, uh, you guys thanks. go check him out at archery strong. Uh, at archery.strong on Instagram. And uh, as I always say, guys, get out, live your life and love it. Awesome. That was such a great conversation. And I loved talking with Christian. He is one of those people that is just, he's taken different a different path on his life than what he kind of thought he was going to go down and super hyper-focused on his specialty, which is getting people healthier and remaining healthy and even more specifically among archers. So again, if you're having any issues uh, with shoulder, back pain, if you're on the East Coast especially, um, go check out Christian. Awesome dude. He's got his head on straight. I love it. Family oriented and uh, just an overall hard worker. Uh, hopefully we can get him out here out West to go elk hunting more than just once and maybe even with his trad bow. We'll see. Again, uh, let me remind you guys, Go check out red.beard.outdoors on Instagram. I post there daily. And uh, yeah, go check out the links below with the companies that I work with. Shoot me an email if you leave a review. And uh, I'd send something to you in the mail. Other than that, I hope you guys have an awesome rest of your day. And as I always say, get out, live your life, and love it.